2: ISH <laughs>
3: okay.
1: With me, Jamie Home. Tonight's show is brought to you in association with Sienna Steps. We're going to give you a little bit of an update on Sienna Steps a little bit later on in the show because there's been some big developments and we're going to need a little help in hand from you lot if we possibly can. Now, for tonight's show, we've got a packed agenda. We've had a good few questions come in on social media in advance of the show. So I'm going to try and get through it the best that I possibly can. And I'm delighted to say that joining me tonight, we have Keith, Graham, and Josh. How are we, gents? You're keeping well? Good, mate, yeah. Yeah, good, right. Jamie. Good to have you on. Gra- Graham, am I right, right in saying, Graham? I think that me and you did a podcast together years and years ago. Do you ever remember The Red Room?
0: Yeah, yeah. You and Jay was Riley. Me and Jay and- Riley, we did it for, yeah, did it for about, I think we did about 25, 30 episodes, and that was about it, yeah yeah, yeah. but you'll have a, time, a podcast or anything in about two or three years so when you give me a shout it was um not even thought about doing one so it's good to be honest it's, it's been a while to be fair
1: It's good to have you on keith you'll uh you'll share some of my pain i was coaching tonight mate in the pouring down rain for an hour and a half i'm still chilled to the bone at this stage
2: like myself, Jay, only came in there before we went live, uh, but at least you have a head of hair to keep your, your head warm. <laughs> it's get,
1: getting thin now, have... mate, it's getting thinner.
2: I'll tell you, what I'd give for a head of hair like that, I was out in the elements with this blade and baldy head, took a beating tonight, but look, these are the things we sacrifice, this is what we do for the love of the game.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and Josh, you've been keeping yourself busy over the summer, mate.
3: I have, yeah. I'm actually off at the minute, mate. So this is a uh, this is a bit of a side track, this. Um, but I'm back in tomorrow anyway. So, yeah, not too bad. But it's nice, 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 to get a break and uh, just be just before the season starts and stuff. <laughs>
1: good stuff and you're going to give us an update later on 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 ana- analyzing Anfield and what the plans are for the new season I know a lot of people have been mentioning in the comments that the big fans so looking forward to an update on that now I'm going to go around the room lads because we've got a lot to get through um but I want to kind of get a bit of a sense check uh because it, it you know being Liverpool fans it feels like a lot can change in 24 hours uh, at the moment there's overreactions everywhere and um I'm going to come to you first, Graham, because I want to get your view. You know, just a general kind of pulse check in terms of your thoughts going into the season and kind of where you feel the Reds are at with everything that's been going on, and, and obviously some of the players that are coming back.
0: Um, I do I think you know we we're in a vacuum, especially on Twitter, with regards to uh, Liverpool and transfers and things? The shocking thing for me is that we're always shocked in the way Liverpool do their business. You know. It's the same thing every year that people get blown out of all proportion. The same things that are being said right now were saying it said last season. Then in the end of the window we got Jota and Thiago in, um, and, and you know it worked out it was a more more or less perfect window. Now we were saying around we're saying we need a centre mid, we need a striker, uh, well a, a forward line player, a winger if you like or something. We we we, we you know we don't have strikers do we? Because Firmino Salah and. Um, Marnie, none of them are strikers, so it, we need a forward line player um, and we'll get them two players and it'll all work out alright. The fact that we've had to be delayed in getting them maybe and um, selling our, um, our dross, if you like, or the, the, the players that don't play, um, shouldn't really come into it. We're a well-run club in that sense. I can get people saying, you know, we'd rather I, I want us um, to, to to strike while the iron's hot and do the business that Man United have done, but the setup totally different. Where they run on debt, we will never be run on debt. Even the, you know, every every single club got a a massive COVID loan because it was cheap to lend money. You know, Spurs, City, United, Everton, um, every single club in the Premier League got one. Now, some have paid them back, such as ourselves, and some have kept them, such as United and City and stuff. So. You will see them do big business because they've got these loans and it's built on debt. We're, I think we're in a very healthy position. Our first twelve or thirteen would, would go well in the league, and I think it would push it uh, quite close. You know, we finished third with uh, playing our seventh or eighth choice um, defenders last year. We've got Van Dyke back and stuff, and he's got to be worth ten or ten or twelve points personally. Um, you know, fans back and stuff just makes a difference. I, I believe we will get the players we need. And also, I think we're in a pretty good position. Um, you know, with the We've got so much positivity with the fans being back, the stands being built in alley Road, FSG are doing the things they promised. Um, I'm not one of their apologists. I think they do something really, really badly. And I don't think they understand football too well. But the things they promised, such as the stadium and making us competitive, we've won everything we can since he's been here. And they'll say, oh, it's because fans will say it's because of clock. And it is. But they they recruited Klopp and sold them this vision. You know, Klopp turned um, Man United down because he didn't like their vision. Um, he wouldn't have gone to Chelsea or City with the way they they were set up with, with money and stuff. While it's while it's intriguing to be a fan of theirs, um, I don't think we'd have Klopp. And personally, I'd rather have FSG and Klopp than Abramovich and another manager. Personally, that's that's my view.
1: It's funny, whenever the uh, the term FSG gets mentioned, people, uh, you know, it can, it can rub people up one way or another. And, and we're definitely going to move through, uh, I suppose, everything related to FSG and transfers as we go through the show. Josh, would you share Graham's sentiments in terms of, you know, optimism? Excitement. I know you live in the football bubble and and, and, you know you're probably enjoying the break at the moment, but is it it something that's getting you excited as we go into the new season, given you know uh, the fact that this is looking a lot more like the Liverpool that that we would have come to love and know?
3: Yeah, you know, I can only really echo what Graham said there, and I think what you've just mentioned there about the Liverpool we, we know and love and stuff. I think people are really quick to forget how good that Liverpool side was you know we we pushed City close I think first season it's 97 points I think it was then the following season obviously we won it with 98 and then up until the, the centre-back crisis we were top of the league again strolling it really and um, I thought we were going to win it very early again and then everything kind of changes on the back of a few injuries and stuff so I think people forget just how good Liverpool are when everyone's available And, you know, again, as Graham's just mentioned here about Van Dyke being worth 10 or 12 points, I I can only agree with that. And I think generally in the summer, you know, around transfer season, I think people do get a little bit carried away. I personally think transfers are generally overplayed as, you know, decisive factors, certainly in the season that follows. uh, I think over a period of time, obviously, an accumulation of good transfers can deliver a title. But I think in one summer, for a, for a few transfers to, to massively alter the, la- the landscape. It doesn't really happen usually like that. It happens over a, a longer period of time. So, um, you know, despite everything that's happening, I'm relatively calm at the minute. not really getting carried away. And it is one of them really strange periods in football on and off the pitch, really. You know, you've only got to look at the number of free transfers that are happening. Um, cut price deals, Real Madrid, let, letting top centre backs go for less than what Brighton is selling their centre backs for. So, I'll just contact details in with that, but um, it really is an odd football and landscape in the win. And Liverpool are in a really healthy position with that. The current squad is just extremely strong, and you could argue, you could argue their first eleven is the best in the league. You, I think, I certainly think you can argue that, and that's probably going to be the case going into this season, providing something mad happens.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny, Keith, because you know when you when you look at the quality of the players that are that are coming back into this Liverpool team, you know the, the thing that's often thrown at the Liverpool fans that like me, like myself and yourself, uh, and, and obviously the lads, who are feeling optimistic. It's it's always met with, oh yeah, but they might not return the same players, and you know it's it, it's not going to be just sort of business as usual for Liverpool. I'd argue, given. The type of players that are coming back into this side—they're so transformative, particularly Van Dyke and Gomez. Their recovery pace, Van Dyke's ability to uh, to knock sixty-yard balls onto onto the top of a pin—you know—he's transforming not only us offensively but also defensively. It it really could have that much of a, an impact on the season ahead.
2: Yeah, I really can. Um, I think was Spalm what he said there that people are too quick to forget how good we are. Um, I think it's a fear that's ingrained in a lot of people. You know, to go two seasons like we did, ninety-seven points, ninety-nine points. It's it's hard to do when you're playing every game to win, where draws aren't even acceptable. It's a pressure and a pressure. Man City done the same thing. They done a hundred points. They done a hundred points with no pressure, no chaser. And then they done the year that we chased them down. And the year after that, I went sort of belly up, just touched on something there. We were we were ahead, do you know, and then everything that could go wrong went wrong. So I think we forget, you know, that if you read look, Twitter, it can be a cesspit in all fairness for reading comments, but you'd really think that we were yeah, a mid-table team. Do you know what I mean? The way people go on, we've got an elite team. Virgil van Dijk comes into this team, and I don't care if he loses a yard of his pace because his all round game, he's the type of defender I think who will just adapt to whatever situation he's in. So if he's a little bit slower, which I don't think he will, I think he'll still be quick. I think he's a huge difference, and, and you know, 12 to 15 points, it is going to be a big swing. But having you said it there, Jamie, affect us offensively and defensively and to to have that stability back in the defence. A lot of last season, we were, you know, we were papering over cracks all over the place. We had midfield players playing in defence or we had really raw young players playing in defence, which meant the fullbacks weren't able to play their game, which meant the midfield wasn't able to play its game and the forwards weren't able to play their game. And it was just, you know, as bad a situation as we could have been in. In some ways, that sets us up nicely now because all I'm reading is Man City. It's you might as well give them the leg now with you sign Kane and Grealish, unless Chelsea sign so Haaland, in which case you might as well give them the leg. And Manchester United, have signed Sancho and Fernand, so give them the leg. Nobody's talking about Liverpool. Do you know we've brought in Abraham and Canadi. which
1: suits us perfectly, though.
2: Oh, it's great and it suits Klopp. I think Klopp loves to be that underdog. I think Klopp is licking his lips at the idea that we're going in here as fourth favourites. Maybe less Arsenal are getting a lot of heat at the moment, and Spurs are negotiating with centre backs all over the place. You know, we could be seventh, seventh favourites for the league. Happy days, put the feet up, because this is what Klopp will thrive on. And I think with the players that come back in, we're going to be a totally different beast than last season. We'll see the best of Thiago now this season. We saw that as the season went on. You know, He was playing a game when he did come back from injury that didn't suit him in a team that was literally getting put together week to week, changes all over the place. And we could see the ability that he has. We know the ability that Thiago has, but you could see the impact he was having on games as the season went on. He starts fresh. You know, Van Dijk behind him, well, behind him and Fabinho and Henderson or whoever else is in there, you know, that pushes them up 10, 15 yards further up the pitch. Diago was brought in we were told as a number 10 he didn't get to do that this season we're going to see a different beast and I, it's a cliche he's looking like a new signing Jota will be like a new signing because that was a, a row off season it was like he had a long pre-season do you know what I mean they got, their, they got their familiarity in last season so I'm really looking forward to it I think this season is going to be everything is set up for us to do well because the pressure isn't on us the only ones putting pressure on us is our own fans and I, I know that's that's the nature of football fandom, isn't it? You know, we all the, the negativity around Liverpool. People do, ju- will jump on the negative stories and don't embrace the positives. And there's plenty of positives in this Liverpool squad.
1: Great. It's interesting because Keith makes a good point there. I always like to say that I think that the Thiago and Jota signings were meant to be transformative, and in reality, they had to become—they uh, nearly had to fix the Liverpool team, not mm. transform the Liverpool team, given the state we were in. But one of the other areas now, when you, you know, if you look forward to this season, we've kind of gone from playing the dinner ladies at centre back no disrespect to the lads that we did play at centre-back, to now ultimately I would nearly argue to say we've probably got too many centre-backs. If you look at currently who we have on our squad list, can you name me a club that has four better centre-backs in terms of calibre in their squad currently? Because if you look at the likes of Van Dijk, massive, now Canate, Gomez, uh, that's, that's some list to pick from.
0: Uh, I don't think there is a better. If, if they can all come back firing, and if you look at the preseason training with Matip and stuff, he looks great. Kanate, I thought, and it was only half an hour and stuff that we got to see him properly. But you know, you can see the skill set that we've gone for straight away. He's massive. You know, he's just he's absolutely rapid. He's huge. You know, I was, I was hoping you put a picture up of him with and Andy Robertson in the same dressing gown or something tonight oh, where it the, looks the like dressing gown mini dress on yeah and <laughs> Andy Robbo's got his dad's one on or something so you know he's an absolute unit um, and in in the air he's formidable you know we have this this aerial success rate thing that we go after and he was one of the highest rated in Europe and you can see the skill set that we want to play that fair as you know as Keith said we want to play that 15 yards further up we couldn't do that last season and even though you know we did so well to get that third I wrote us off um, I, I was actually blagging myself, saying some of the best away's I've ever had were in the Europa League, so I'll be all right with it. With ten games left, that's what I was saying to myself because I thought that's where we'd be, or we'd be out of everything. So um, you know, and we just couldn't play that further up the field, win the ball a bit, bit higher up because we're playing further up because we just didn't have that pace at the back, no matter who played there, whether it was Fabinho and then Henderson, because we lost Gomez and Matip and that whereabouts to do everything Van Dijk. So then you're playing Fabinho Henson and then they both got injured and then you you know you just you are putting kids in there and you know for the love or money uh, Phillips and Williams don't have don't have a, a yard in them between them so we had to really sit back. Thiago had to sit deeper, Fabinho had to sit deeper. It's totally it's not going to be the same. Liverpool's not even gonna be close because last season we weren't Liverpool, we weren't that rock and roll football because we couldn't be. We were we were hindered by by the injuries we'd had you know, some games you had 12, 13 injuries and that's unsustainable because we'll probably come on to it later when we talk about transfers. But, you know, whilst we all sit in and go, oh, we want a Haaland and we want this, Klopp doesn't want that. Klopp doesn't want the big superstar egos. He doesn't want a massive squad of 40 players. He wants a small niche, you know, little nickname team. So to have them injuries depleted us, we're gonna. it's going to be a totally different kettle of fish this season because when you drop a Matip out or you drop a, a Gomez out or a Van Dijk out, and you put Canati in. We can still sort of play that 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 way of Liverpool is 15 yards further forward. You know, great in the air, fast on the turn. Um, yeah, and and you know, I, I don't know about the Thiago playing in a tent. That again, that just excites me because you can put the ball through the eye of a needle. Uh, and we've got runners and we've got movements up front. So, yeah, I say I'm just dead excited. I said on Twitter today, I'm just really excited for the season starts. I've got no negativity in me whatsoever.
1: Gav if you pull up the the canate stuff because we, we we pulled up some some stats on him and Josh you know obviously 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 so when Liverpool were, were linked um with Kanate was this was this a link that surprised you uh in terms of the profile of the player what what have you made of him in in the games and the work that you've done kind of analyzing him uh, and ultimately some of the, the the early glimpses you've seen of him so far.
3: No, I think what surprised me most about it, you know, on and Anfield, the uh, the podcast I'm on every week, we, we we try to keep ahead of this, you know, we we we'll flag a few players who we think fit the bill, basically, and uh, we we actually didn't flag Kanazi at any stage really, and the reason for that is because he's barely played, um, you know, was, was didn't have a lot of minutes behind him in the past two seasons through injuries, big injuries and stuff. So, given that, you know, one of Liverpool's criteria usually is avoiding that mm-hmm. sort of thing. You know, once you've removed that from the pitcher, he he is perfect, really, for a Liverpool type centre back. He's he's got that naturally gifted physical skill skill set. You know, he's he's capable of forming parts of the spine for a really dominant side, and that's what Liverpool want to be. Liverpool want to own the pitch. Liverpool want to attack with you know eight eight players sometimes in the final third and stuff. When that's the case, you've got two centre backs sitting on the halfway line playing 1v1 sometimes. And if you look at Van Dyke, Van Dyke copes easily with that because he's got so many strengths on his side compared to the attackers who he's facing. And I think if you look at Kanate, he's got that dominant skill set about him, you know, with very few weaknesses, really fast, um, really tall, good in the air. I think he can certainly improve and I don't think he's as good on the ball as Van Dyke is. But I think that's what's exciting, you know. He's, he's this good despite his age, so I think Liverpool have bought there uh, probably a, a world class um, future performer. Maybe I think at right now his level's immediately very, very good, but I think he's got the the potential to, to reach an elite level. And I think if you if you look at, say, for example, an and Ozan Kabach, who plenty of people will call him for Liverpool to sign, I liked Kabach, but I, I think for Liverpool you've either got to have world class ability right now or world class potential. And I think Kabach, although he was good, don't get me wrong, I'm not sure I, I had a question mark about the world class potential thing. And certainly the world class ability weren't there just yet. But I think with Canate, he can reach that level. So I think for the thirty five million or whatever it was that Liverpool paid, I think that's that's more than fine. And although many people would probably argue with this, I think there's a shout that you could you could argue Liverpool have got the better deal compared to United getting Varane. Now, I know that sounds like a big shout, but I think in five years' time, when we look back, you know, come back to this chat...
1: And when you're looking at the graphic on the left, some of the things that stand out, and again, Josh, you'd be better placed than, than myself to... I'm not going to say that I'm a stats sceptic because I'm absolutely not, but I'm certainly not a stats expert, which is where you come in, mate. So, you know, when you're analysing players and, and you're looking on the graphic on the left, you know, you certainly, it looks like, you know, he's got the ability to, to carry out and dribble the ball, uh, which I think, you know, given the way that Liverpool play is is a plus. Um, one thing that's kind of been highlighted, and please do correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, is maybe a little bit of a question mark over his passing um, and and the quality of his passing in terms of being able to retain the ball. Because if you pull up the next graphic, Gav, when you compare... His stats from a passing perspective versus maybe some of the other centre backs that we have. If you look at the ball retention, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a worry. Um, is this something that you've kind of seen yourself? Um, and is this something maybe given how Liverpool play with centre backs split so wide and they can quickly become isolated if teams press us properly? Is that something that teams could look to exploit?
3: I think looking to exploit might be a stretch, but um, I'd, I'd certainly. I agree when it comes to, it's not maybe as big as strength, you know, but but by no means is he like weak on the ball or anything like that. I mean, that couldn't be the case. You know, whenever Liverpool play football virtually every week, the players who see most of the ball just because of the way the match tends to go is the, the centre back. So if Liverpool yeah. will have a, a centre back who's playing who's awkward on the ball or <clears> uncomfortable <throat> or whatever, it's going to cause problems. So Liverpool wouldn't be signing this player if he was by any means bad on the ball. I think he's just, basic on the ball. I think he's just relatively safe. He's not very expansive. You know, you see Joel Masip sometimes when he's got his dribbling dribbling boots on. He he tends to go on a bit of a run. Van Dijk, we we know, sprays them 60-yard passes. Um, And sometimes the ball's over the top and stuff like that. But I think Canate's maybe got a bit less of that about him. I think if you look at what Leipzig were last season, I think Upamecano was maybe that player. But I think Canate in comparison... I think is is maybe a bit more assured defensively, a bit less inclined to take risks on the ball. So you could argue that he's more of a of a safe option, maybe. And with Van Dijk next to him, I don't think that's much of an issue, really.
1: Keith, I'll come to you because, uh, you know, talking of, of Van Dijk, the news has broke this week that we should be seeing him uh, back on the pitch again, hopefully for whether it's 20 minutes or so on on Thursday. What a massive boost that is to everybody because I think the question marks were, you know, when are we actually going to see him out on, on the pitch? You know, is this going to be, we rumble on in, into into the season and we still haven't seen him. You know, the fact that he's going to be given some minutes is a, is a massive shot in the arm for everybody involved. Gomez too.
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, um, you've got a situation where um, Van Dijk and Gomez, right, they're coming back from two bad injuries. Uh, Matip and Kanade, hold on, let me just change something. My mic's a bit uh, dodgy here, just bear with me. Um, Matip and Kanade started the friendly games and they look a decent partnership, but when you get Van Dijk back, you um, and if it's 20 minutes here and there for a few games, we spoke on the Fatback Four on Sunday night about not rushing them back. And we'd be happy not to rush them back. But in saying that you you love to see him get in a few minutes, we said maybe after the international break might be when we see Van Dijk and Gomez coming back into the into the forward, into the first team. But if the if the plan is to get them back in earlier and give them minutes between You know, now on the start of the season, it's only a positive. Some players just lift everybody and Virgil van Dijk is one of them. There's not that many of them are more football, I suppose. When you think about it, Virgil van Dijk certainly is one. He's got an aura about him and that sounds cheesy, but like you just see the impact he has. I can't think of many others in England. I can't think of any. The only one I can think of is Messi who has that sort of. I'm not comparing him to Messi now, don't get me wrong. But that's mean, exactly
1: what you were going to do, go on, say. I was thinking about how he could him to Messi. I was thinking <laughs> how
2: I could compare him to Messi. But no, I, I just think that's the impact that he, he has on others around him, that he improves people just by his presence. And, you know, that's the biggest thing of having him back. And that's what, you know, we you, about the centre-backs, you know, these four centre-backs we have, um, you know, I was in Quebec. Was a good player, but to me, I in Quebec. Was a potential to be Dejan Lovren. We had Dejan Lovren. Do you know what I mean? And you know, I, I like Quebec as a player, but for me, he didn't fit the profile of what we have now. Matip, Gomez, Van Dijk, and Konate is a it's a ferocious back four. Do you know what I mean? Oh, four centre back options already, and they are also compatible you know, how we want to play. And we said it, you do know, as well. You'd you'd plug two of, if they're all fit, you wouldn't mind what two are getting plugged in at any time because the, the way we play should still be the same. But you still want Virgil as the alpha, you know. You still want him to be the daddy there. And once he's back, I think everybody lifts. You see the, you know, Robbo, Trent, everybody lifts when Virgil is in there. And that's what we have to look forward to. It's the little things like that. That gives you all these little sneaky positives that we have coming into this season that you know fans don't probably realise, don't see. You know on on social media when it's you know you call it, we can say the FIFA generation or whatever they just want signing and signing and signing and signing, but sometimes you get these lifts from within, and Virgil van Dijk will certainly give us that. And people need to just relax, you know. You hate saying it's like a new signing, but we're getting Virgil back in, and that's just going to lift the whole team, the whole squad, a full packed Anfield this season. You know, it's very, uh, Jota and Thiago haven't had a sniff of a full Anfield. You know, they had the last day of the season with ten thousand in it. Well, you know, it's a new experience for them now. This season, it's a shame if I could back, he didn't get to hear the song, but look, it is what it is.
1: So we're going to sign and sign and sign in. So That's the perfect segue uh, because uh, Gagandeep actually says in the comments, he says, question for the panel. Uh, if we do not make adequate sign-ins in midfield and forward, uh, will you have serious questions? Because it seems as though you guys are relatively positive. Well, I'm happy with that because we, we try to be po- <laughs> yeah. positive. Realistic, I, I would say. Um Graham, I'm going to come to you because there was a there was a quote that came out this week, and it doesn't really take that much to cause a stir on Twitter these days. And I think the the quote had come from Carl Markham, uh, where he basically said that um, there was unlikely to be any arrivals after the signing of of Canate, and and obviously as you can imagine, like signings do, it can be uh, it can be quite divisive online. Caused a bit of a stir, and a lot of fans got themselves all upset what did you make of of these comments because it's quite contradictory to 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 what other um sort of respected reporters have, have commented um and you've got a little bit of information yourself uh, in terms of maybe some other players that we've been interested in or, or are certainly uh, uh looking at
0: I, I like all this because it's you know it, again it's every summer isn't it you know last summer we were skint and there was no way we were paying twenty million pound for a thirty year old midfielder when we had three hundred midfielders and stuff at the time. Um, this is great for us because we you know we we play this cap in hand club that. Um, and that's just the way we are, and people might hate that, again, I've said it, I've gone on about it earlier, people might hate that, but it's not changing, FSG on selling, this is the way they'll go about it, they'll have Edwards getting the profile, and looking at players, and seeing if we can get them cheaper, for, for instance, I said last February, that we wanted Kanate, but the players that we wanted behind them, was the two lads of Seville, was that Kuande that's going is it to Chelsea, but well, he's like yeah, 70 yeah. mil now, He you know, they're talking 60, 70 mil, we've got Kanate for half that price, so, They'll always look for the value and and what fits us best. Now we've got our first target with with Liverpool, and, and you know the things that I, I, I've, I've heard is you know I heard the soul one a while ago, like a few weeks ago before it was in the press or anything anyway, and I could see it. And I think and the person said to me from the club said the longer it goes is probably better for us. Now it's gone on a long time since you know the, the rumored bid and and, and liking. So you can only see that as good news. With regards to the the, the, the the player that I'd heard of people like Weghorst we were interested in because we were looking at changing maybe the way we play and having like a, 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 an Aldi-style Lewandowski in it and a Weghorst, or, and that's why Valovic made sense, of, as that you say his name, from Fiorentina. But um, the player that we've been linked to, I've seen it in the press a number of weeks ago, was Chiesa, and I said, oh, what a load of shite, we wouldn't be able to come near a Ford and um, or, or, or having the whereabouts to make that deal happen because it's so complicated with the loan and commit to buy from Juventus. So I did chalk that down to just being bullshit, but I got told something last week whereby it could be a go and then today something more where, you know, it's it's something actively being pursued by Liverpool. But even the, the person said, said, you know, it's such a hard deal to do. But if anyone could do this sort of deal, it's ourselves, isn't it, with the... There's certain payment plans and certain things we can come up with and be creative. So it doesn't worry me because everyone I've spoke to in and around the club and even journalists and stuff, everyone I've spoke to is fully aware that we're going to get a midfielder and a striker. I would say the midfielder would be Saul. I wouldn't put my money on it's going to be Chaser, but we definitely we definitely want that to happen. Um, but it's going to be in that sort of um mould is we do need them two players. Um, but we've got to get rid of players before that because at the moment you're only allowed 17 foreign players. Well, we're at 17 right now. You know, we need to we need to be able to sell you, you Sha- your your Shakiris because um, when you look at we saw Wilson and Brugge well they don't make an impact because they've not been with us. They didn't play for us last season. They went on the squad list. We still need to get rid of active first team players. And I've heard <clears throat> sorry, I've seen the commenters oh well, all the all the um, the budgets can be taken up on renewals. I understand that. But when you're successful, the, the contracts don't matter, really. You look at it when we won the league and Salah was earning 400 grand a week because it was bonuses and stuff. It was fine because we were successful this season. He hasn't earned half as much because we weren't successful. So you, you've got players like Milner coming to the end of the 160 grand a week deal next year and stuff like that. So contracts aren't a problem. They won't eat into a budget that is, is to, for the first team. We will get him in field and a striking and pause positive for that, but we just need to clear the deck first because... You don't want to be ending up in a sort of Barcelona situation whereby you've got six or seven players, you simply can't register. So um, we, And we don't work that way. So uh, my, my, my the positive side of me says we will get them in because that's what I've been told. And hopefully it's the two that we, we've just mentioned.
1: Can you understand, great, I suppose, people's scepticism or um, the, the sense of negativity the FSG, you know, that surrounds FSG, because you know you hear the the names that you've just mentioned, and you think of the price tags that it would ultimately take to potentially, irrespective mm-hmm. of how the deal is structured, you know, this isn't this isn't small change we're talking about. No. Can you understand I suppose some of the scepticism around FSG and and their ability to to spend big? Because you know, if you think of the amounts that they've spent net, uh, you yeah. know, uh, you know over over recent years, it's it's certainly not up there with uh, with the best of them. So. Can you understand that scepticism from some fans?
0: No, without a doubt, but it, and there's two ways of looking at it and my dad says it is with, with FSG because where I may sound like an apologist for them and at the four million a window in the last five windows. I think we spent 20 million net, is it, in the last five windows not four million net a window. It, uh, it is preposterous-like and it, it's ridiculous to see the success we've had. Uh, and my dad always goes back to, we won the Champions League and signed... Seth Vandenberg for 300 grand and Adrian for free, you know. And and, and but then you go, well, what did we need? Because then we went and won the league and still did really well the season after. So they were proved right. And my dad says it is one of the worst things we could do was be successful in the way they've done it. So they've done this, they've, they've had this structure. We've been successful. So they're going to do that again. Now, I, I, I genuinely I do believe and I understand because at some point it's going to become a cropper. It 100% is because they do the same with the with the. Um, Red Sox over in in America and they have peaks and troughs so they have times where they go without a. they they won the World Series for the first time because they had the Babe Ruth cast and they won it first time in 80 odd years well they've done that with us and then they don't win it for a few years then they win it when they get it right again then they don't for a few years then they won it again so they've won it three times now they're in a real slump again I, I think that will happen with us unfortunately because the way they do things it will come in peaks and troughs and that that could happen. I think we're lucky in the fact that we do have Klopp and we do have the continuity of Edwards and stuff. And I do understand people being frustrated with them. I will start being frustrated when we're not successful. Where you know we did give us everything they promised. You know, I, I, all I wanted was a Premier League, Champions League. We've been to two Champions League finals, UEFA Cup final. You know, champion won um, the Wonder league, um, Super Cup, World Club Cup, Best Manager, dead attractive, sexy football, all that. I've had it all. And they've given us not they haven't given us anything but they've they've facilitated us having the main stand on the Anfield Road and and people are now actually getting season tickets that were on waiting lists for like twenty years. So they've got they've they've, they've got to buy from me. I do get frustrated. I'll start getting more frustrated when we're not successful. You know, I, I, I was frustrated that they left Klopp out to hang to dry in January. To be honest, and um, I understand why now because they believe they could have got Kanate now. If they would have made a big signing, maybe wouldn't have got him in the summer. Um, so it, it, it's one of them. We're by; they're not going to change, not going to sell. So try and enjoy the good moments that we do have a lot of. Um, and then yeah, if you want to give them shit in the bad moments, that's absolutely fine as well. To be honest.
1: If we take a little look, and I'll come to you on this one, Josh. Um, obviously we've mentioned uh, Kayser, and, and I get a little bit nervous. I get a little bit nervous off the back of big tournaments. Um, uh, you know, when, when players have done particularly well in big tournaments, I don't know, I just, just bad memories of LR's Juve come flooding back. And I'm not for one second trying to compare the two before people abuse me in the comments. Uh, but obviously he's, he's, he's man of the moment at the moment. He's off the back of a fantastic tournament. And when you look at him as a player, Josh, is he somebody that would, Fit the bill, um, and again leaning on you here, mate, to try and make sense of this lovely graph that we have on the right with lots of nice colours. Uh, but now, uh, you know, j- joke aside, he looks like a type of player who likes to run at people. Uh, you know, he he likes to get on the ball. He likes to cause problems in the box. Uh, a real f- a threat from from the right or the left. Um, do- certainly does seem to fit our type of, of profile.
3: Yeah, no, I think it's I think you're spot on. You know, looking at the player, I think he. He certainly fits the Liverpool-type bill. Um, you know, this this gravity that you've got up, that's just his as, as frequency of, of certain actions and stuff like that, and it's, it's a few seasons old. But I think, just based on that, it's not so much the size of the radar that you want to look at. It's, it's, I suppose where the area is where he stands out and stuff. And Straight away, you can see he's in the top percentile for shots. So he's obviously a keen shooter. Uh, that looks like, I think, that's 3.8 shots on a pay and basis, is it? So I think Last season I think Harry Kane was the the keenest shooter in the Premier League last year with about three point eight per ninety. So that's supposed to that offers an insight into Kiesia as that man, a seller type inside forward. He's gonna score goals and stuff from from a wide position. Um some of his shots I do think are a bit wild. I think he can improve his shot locations and stuff like that. But he's very much in that intense really active, really busy type forward who's very physically good, fast, um, in your face, good on the, good without the ball as well. And um, I can believe the link, you know, I, I certainly think he's a, he's a Liverpool type player, he's, he's a Klopp type player, a little bit messy on the ball and stuff like that, but ultimately, he's got output to his game, he delivers, still fairly young, very few weaknesses. So, I, I can believe all of that really. Um, and I think, You know, when it comes to United moving forward, getting their business done early, Liverpool obviously did that with Canate, but when it comes to deals like this, you do have to kind of watch the market in a way. It's a little bit of a cliche line, but you you have to monitor things basically. Because, you know, if you look at Juventus, who I think they either own the player now or they're on the verge of owning the player, it's a little bit messy that situation, but Juventus are one of the three European giants at the minute that are a little bit all over the place when it comes to the, the financials and stuff like that. It's no coincidence that them three were the last three left in the uh, European Super League, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Juventus, because they, they need a way out, basically. So I wouldn't be surprised, given how Liverpool operate, you know, thinking outside the box and all that sort of stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't monitoring that and thinking, you know, if Juventus needs some form of way out there, because they're paying Ronaldo absolute tons. And they only just qualify for the Champions League as well, Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're monitored in that situation. And if something comes up, if if they need a way out, Liverpool can kind of offer Juventus a bit of a solution. But you know, as Graham said, I'm sure it'd be a really difficult deal to get done. But given his quality and the level he could reach, I think uh, I think it makes sense uh, to keep an eye on that one.
1: Out of curiosity, Josh, to stay with you, based on the type of profile of player that Liverpool would be looking at, so, you know, I think it's no secret they're looking at uh, a, a, a wide forward um, or, or someone to play in the front three positions and a, a midfielder, who would you have had on your shortlist? Oof,
3: don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> I, think it de- it, I think it depends how you're going to do it. It really doesn't. It depends who Liverpool get rid of. That's kind of why you need to see what you're doing first. Because, say for example, Liverpool keep Shaqiri around and maybe Harvey Elliott impresses to the extent that he stays with the squad. That means you've kind of got three players who want to pl- occupy that right-sided forward role with Shakiri, Salah and Elliott, all of whom I think are left-footed. So, say for example, you've got Rafinha on your shortlist. Rafinha also wants that slot and is also left-footed. So, you're probably not going to go for him. You might go for a number eight slash number 10 type player, like a mount. Obviously, you're not going to go for mount, I'm not saying that, but I mean that type of profile. So maybe who Moir, maybe at, at Leon, he's maybe a type that Liverpool have locked That He's been around for a few years and he's still very young. Um But it really does depend how Liverpool's squad shapes between now and the start of the season and who who leaves and who doesn't, how much Harvey Elliott impresses and stuff. Um what Firmino comes back like? You know, we know Firmino's inclined to come back. Haven't put on about four stones, so <laughs> I don't know. We we have to keep an eye on things, don't we? And Chiesa certainly fits the bill for me. He's he's, he's definitely the type of player I'd be interested in. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's a, it's difficult one or one of them. that like you've you've kind of got to stay on top of it, really.
1: <clears throat> Just to to move on to to the socials because I'll come to you on this one, Keith. Because there was a question that come in uh, from LFC for Life. And the question that they sent him was that people talk about uh people talk about the the need for another midfielder or attacker uh, but isn't a backup right back the biggest issue in the squad as a long injury from uh, for trent could hurt us more than anything as we go into the next season what are your views on that um i think we need maybe a backup right, right back
2: um or I think it's something that I wouldn't waste too much time on, to be totally honest, because you're not going to get anybody that can do what Trent does. And you know, Nico Williams struggled, in my opinion, in there um, because he wasn't Trent. Uh, I think the young lad Troy, he, he had some decent games, but when he when he wasn't in seventy yard doyags into the run of the opposite winger people were getting on his on his case and it's a hard role to fill so Roy, I understand you know we do need somebody that can do that because if you look internally Milner can do it but Milner's 35 now I think so I don't know if he wants to be bleeding down doggies at right full Gomez has been talked about was doing it um, Gomez some people Gav doesn't like Gomez at right back I think he's solid. He can play right back. He can't do what Trent does. Um, but playing right back, I don't know if that's good on him coming back from injury. You know, I don't know the type of injury he's had, whether he wants to be. Although I suppose we don't really play where our full-backs are going to be under huge pressure. So he's not probably going to be on the turn much. But
0: When you think of Ox, Ox at right back, you know, when he was oh, at
1: Arsenal. He guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was at guy. Arsenal. His last right. half of the
0: season, he was... He was, he was right back money for the whole. That's
1: why he more or less left. To be fair, so I don't know whether he'd want to. But he okay, had, I, asked, I, I I said that in a in a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and Do- got dogs abuse. I'm I'm on the Ox, I'm at the I'm at the Oxer fullback train and I'm not going to yeah. get off. Um, oh, I, I, I think he I think he has. The, Yeah, I I think the challenge that I think we face, and particularly for for Nico when when he plays there, is his inability to go on the outside. I don't think he he, he doesn't seem to beat a man. And what he always looks to do then is is come inside. And one thing Ox will, will do is you know, we can beat a man, he can get to the byline, he's got good quality, um, you know, he's, he's obviously quick across the ground um, and then obviously with the recovery pace of the of the big lads, if they're back, you know, that, that would make things a lot easier. I think Trent probably suffered because he was playing with two lads at centre-back who were quite slow uh, so it was probably highlighted a little bit more when he was getting further up that, you know, there was probably bigger gaps than there would usually be because usually Gomez would, would come, uh, cover across or the like. So, I, I'm definitely on that train and I'm, I'm happy to take more abuse on that one so I'm glad that you glad that you brought it up. Um they seem
2: to be talking a lot about Ox as a uh, false nine and even last season Klopp was saying that you know he can he can do that. Whereas usually Klopp moves players back like mm-hmm. at Dortmund his full were wingers that you moved back like Pichek and um uh, Schmelzer and all those lads were all Sort of attacking players that he pushed back And he always tends to prefer to move and attack our back So I think the the Ox shell is an excellent one um, I personally would try I think Ox, Graeme, you're right He, he had the hump about doing it at Arsenal But if you're doing it at Liverpool And you're challenging for titles and you're winning I think it'd be a lot easier for him to swallow Do you know what I mean? Rather than having to do it against Liverpool or Anfield And he's on the end of an absolute spanking Yeah I think it's an easy one from the Swallow, but a name that's getting thrown in the chat there a lot as a sign and is one that we recommended as well for the right-back. Someone like uh, James Ward-Prowse, you know, someone that has the delivery of a Trent. He's not a right-back, but, you know, your boy a James, I'm not advocating going James Ward-Prowse. With this issue with I think English players the price of them is scandalous as it is but somebody like James Ward-Prowse in there who has a good delivery on him if he was happy to run up and down lines, would be an option there I think Liverpool what I'm trying to say is I think Klopp will always try and think outside the box looking to fill I'm in the yeah, front he, 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 he got mentioned the other night as well on, yeah. on on our show and it's a good show because he's, he's you'd get him cheap I mean, his wages will be low and surely he'd be happy to go in there. Mm. It's a hard role to fill when someone knows they're going to be the backup that will get very few minutes. Look, Simikas on the left, we forget about Simikas coming in.
0: Mm.
2: It was a bad year for him. He got COVID, he got injured, he's playing behind Andy Robertson. But it's a tough one to ask when you're bringing someone in. You know, you can say to an attacker, they can have all the confidence in the world that they'll get into the team. But if you're playing behind Trent Alexander-Arnold, it's a hard sell, you know, so maybe someone like Tavernier would be a good one that would would take that on. So, yeah, just I'd like to see them being mm-hmm. a bit creative, but I think a, mid, a midfield and an attacker is priority over a, a yeah. backup rifle. Really
1: yeah, I I always think when when I look at Klopp, I I think he'll always look for in squad solutions where possible, um, and and I think the two positions that you just mentioned there, Keith, I, I I don't think we have them necessarily in the squad, so I expect us to 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 go and buy in those two areas once we're able to shift a few on. But I want to move the conversation on a little bit, and I want to come to you on this one, Graham, because another thing that rocks people, um, uh, you know, online is other clubs' business. There's nothing that sort mm-hmm. that, of that rattles the hornet's nest like other clubs buying players, like it's some type of guarantee for success. And obviously, look, to be fair, we're all Liverpool fans on, on the podcast, I have to say... Um, United, I think, have done good business in getting Varane in for the cost that they have. I think he's a good you know, he's a he's a good, very good player, very experienced. Mm-hmm. And for the for the money I think you said it earlier, Josh. You know, you look at Ben White, the, the money that Arsenal have paid for him, and then you're looking at Varane. It looks good business. Sancho's a great player, irrespective of what they paid. He's he's a big talent. Um and then you've got the likes of City rumored to be going big on on Kane and, and Grealish. Um Sam Lee sent a question in, and it's interesting you know when you look at the sort of the the situation that the other top sides are in, and I don't like this term, the top six because I think there's a couple of clubs that are doing well to be included in that these days yeah. but um when you look at the the teams that are going to be challenging i'll say for for next season, what do you think the landscape looks like in terms of their squads uh you know who do you think needs a little bit of work, and more importantly, where do you think Liverpool rank against those?
0: The thing is, I, I try and look at it in the fact of you know when you look at United and don't wrong. Sancho is a great player. Does he improve them? You no, know, with their front three, you know, Cavani was great. Um, Rashford's okay. He's, he's he's poor at finishing, but he's great. You know, does his pull back Greenwood, who's, who's a really good talent. Um, does do, does he definitely improve them? Does he add more goals and stuff like that to them? He doesn't make them any quicker. because He's not fast. Um, Veron yeah he's he, again it's that, that's such a united sign and for me um he struggled a little bit without Ramos when it's when he's played he's had a lot more injuries of late in this last year fantastic player four times Champions League winner won won everything it is to win um I just don't know whether it's the right time in his career to maybe come here and stuff so I'm not really bothered about the United signings. they are what they are and they've got the manager so I don't really I'm not that bothered um City getting Kane and Grealish, I've got a really mad take on this. Kane is fantastic, one of the world's best. But again, I think it made they both make them slow in the build-up. Um, they're not fast. They're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna. And and I know City do a lot of building up and ticky tacking and round the box. But they were at the most frightening when they had like Sterling and um, Sane and all that running at you, and um, they were just quick and they do quick into the. We, I just think it'll be all build up, build up, build up for me, and I'm, that, that'll work. You know, they'll win games, they'll win a lot of games, and they'll they'll do really well. I don't, I'm not that asked. I don't think it's as bad as everyone's making out. Personally, maybe that's me just being rose coloured glass with Liverpool. But you know, if we finish the window with a, a good attacker, um, Ichiizer or a or a Valovic, which rests Bobby at times and stuff, and we can change the way we play, and maybe we're more in the air, um, Kanate and a I, I do think we've covered we've covered the areas we need to, and, and I prefer our squad to others. And I think that would give us the depth we needed. Um, you know, I think 160 million for Kane. It's Tottenham of you know, Levy has had the pants down. If if, the, if he create, if he gets that, and I think even 100 million for Grealish. I think again, it's it's outrageous. 850 grand combined in wages and stuff. I just think it's it's what that creates in the squad. Do you know what I mean that's why I'm. I'm and I love Haaland and, and and all them and Bappe's and Bappe, isn't that. But imagine bringing one of them in on six hundred grand, and then you've got Van Dyke on two hundred grand or Salah on two hundred grand. It'd just be, it'd just be carnage, you know. And we're not that type of club. We don't have that sort of backing. We don't have billionaire owners. They're not billionaires even asset wise. Um, they're a group of billionaires. But I think we 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 do it the way we do it, and I do I do like the way we do it. Um, and I said before, I will start getting pissed off when we, we're not successful none of the business that people are doing worries me and if everything goes ahead that everyone's saying so Varane and all that and um, even day to Chelsea you know he's 5'10 and stuff does he fix problems I don't know I think I'm just not that bothered by it if we could keep everyone fit we, we, if you if if, if you were to finish above us you're winning the league I think if we keep everyone fit
1: Josh I want to come to you because there's a question that came in uh, so when I get in terms of where do you rank the, the Liverpool team against uh, the nearest and dearest at the moment. But then a question for you that came in um, was your thoughts on Jared Bowen, the links to to Jared Bowen. Do you think that this is kind of clickbait at its best? Or do you think that based on the type of profile that Liverpool would, uh, would go after, do you think that there's something maybe a little bit more legitimate behind it?
3: Yeah, I spoke up with the the uh, Jarrah bonding last week. I um, I I don't think it's it's nonsense. I think there's something in it. Um, but I I reckon shortlist wise, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, you know, seventh, eighth on the shortlist. Nowhere near the top or anything like that. I think if you look at him as a player, I think he's quite Jota like, but not as good. That's that's kind of simple as that. Really, I'm not going to be as good as I either. I think he's quite too fuzzled like Jota versatile across the front line, like Jota, um, good finisher, able to run him behind and stuff like that, but he's simply just not as quick, he's not as dangerous, doesn't score as many, um, So and he's English, so he's probably going to cost more, um, so I don't think it'll happen, I can't see that one happening, but I think as a player that Liverpool might like, I wouldn't rule that one out, I think he's probably, as I said, on the list, but just quite far down, I think he's, Similar to Jota, similar to Verna, but just nowhere near as good.
1: Keith, we we've spoken about Jared Bowen before, and 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 Josh makes the point there. You know he's potentially seventh on a on a Liverpool shortlist, and Graham mentioned something before there, which I think is interesting. Are we living in a, in a, is it a pipe dream to think of Liverpool bringing in these these blockbuster signings? Because, it you know, you've seen it at United, the ripple effect that it causes when, you know, players are getting massive salaries and then maybe their position in the squad or their performances don't, don't justify those, those salaries. What that does is it means other players in the squad then come knocking on the door and there's some difficult conversations and you automatically see them when these other players are getting contracts renewed. They're asking for more, they're asking for more, they're asking for more. Do you think Liverpool are just having to box clever uh, you know and, and kind of live within their means, and if this means bringing in the likes of a, of a Jared Bowen who you know could potentially come in uh, you know he's not going to upset the apple cart um you know I think uh, uh, you know is that something a little bit more realistic
2: yeah, as josh said Jared Bowen, people think it's it's an unrealistic one. I I think certainly not the top target as as Josh said, but you can see why Liverpool would like him. He's a hard working player, he's he's both footed, he's he's quite direct. But I'd be surprised if you know he was the type of player maybe that, that we do go for. Um, we're, we're in a situation now where we, we have a wage budget, a wage structure, we know what it is. They get performance bonuses, you know, so that's why we're paying what the third highest wage bill in the world or in Europe or something are way up there in the, in the wage bill. But we don't give out 400, 500 grand a week to a player because if you do that, you're. You look at other clubs. who look at Manchester United. Would say, you know, the the rumor that the figures going around for Fernand well, it might look like a cheap transfer. It's it looks like a whopper package that he's it's going to cost them, and it's a risky one. You know, it's four hundred k a week. Someone was saying, you know, they they threw money at uh, Alexis Sanchez, and absolutely, the boys that were performing for them formed an orderly queue. And went they're looking for their pound of flesh, then, and if you're earning that money on the regular. Do you have the hunger to go out there and perform? I don't think so. I think history shows that, you know, look at Meza Ozil when Arsenal gave him all that money. Don't he ever tried again. I like Meza Ozil, he's a good player, but he just didn't have the hunger. Look at Aubameyang last season, signed the big Whopper contract at Arsenal. Had an awful year. You know, if you Liverpool were to go and give, look, I think Kylian Mbappe is absolute generational talent, make no mistake. But Haaland's a good example. People are saying, oh, why are we not in for Haaland? Why are we not in for Haaland? Holland's going to be talking four hundred k a week to get him to the table to listen. It's going to be four hundred k. if Liverpool give him four hundred k, and then you are going to have every other player looking for that. That have been there and have earned their, their crust, and he hasn't. Is he going to have that hunger to go in and you know improve? If he's already getting four hundred k, so it's a it's a it's a, a sleepy slope to go on. Bayern Munich are in trouble because they gave Leroy Sané a big contract. Now, Goretzka wants the money. Alaba wanted the money. Thiago wanted the money. You know, So these little things, these nuances, Barcelona. Messi's on over a million a week. That's fair. He earns it. Anton Griezmann's on 800k. Frankie de Jong's on 400k. And he went from the Dutch league where he was probably earning 10 grand a week. You throw big money at these players and you're just causing problems for yourself. So we think if I put a right to, you know, look for hungry players at an age. And that's why Chiesa is very interesting. He's 23 He's in that prime Salah, Mane sort of range where you bring them in at that age, they're on the cusp of becoming superstars and you get them at the right time. It's about timing when you bring in the player. Klopp always says it, you know, we don't want to buy the superstar, we want to make the superstar. And that's what I think Liverpool do. People look at it as being cheap and it's being tight, but it's a sensible business model, in my opinion. Is it sustainable long-term going forward? I don't know. You know, I think in an ideal world, FSG would like to buy Mo Salah, get the success out of Mo Salah and then sell him maybe last summer and then bring in the next Mo Salah and to do that. But I think they didn't probably realise the emotional attachment that Liverpool fans would get to these players and how important they become, how iconic they become. That's hard then to move them on. So I think FSG are in a bit of a... A rock between a rock and a hard place of what they'd like to do and what they can do but i think you throw money at these players a they're not hungry and b it just causes ripples in your squad that causes more damage in the long run and people before in that, the chat before we move on people in the chat keep yeah, going mate. on about why are we turning into accountants you don't have to be an accountant right but you have to appreciate that you know it, this isn't fifa this isn't, you can go in and just click your fingers and you can have Mbappe, Hal and Sancho up in your front three next season and you can be paying them 200 grand or 2 million a week in wages. It doesn't work like that. So if you want to live in a fantasy world where you can just take in these players, that's fine. But you have to be realistic. It's like the homegrown quota thing. People are saying to me today, oh, forget about homegrown, sick of homegrown. Well, Liverpool have 17 of them in the squad. They lost Wijnaldum and they lost Kabak, but they've taken back Minamino and they brought in Kanate. So they have to sell non homegrown players to bring in to bring in more. You don't have to like these things, but you have to understand that they're part of the the club and the part of how things are run. So you know we don't want. We don't, I'm not an accountant. Ask me, missus, she bleeding goals mad about me with me money.
1: <laughs>
2: but if you you have to appreciate and understand how Liverpool operate. If you think, you know, you can talk about bringing in all these fantasy signings. Oh, why can't we give four or five hundred grand a week? Because we're not run that way. So people can get annoyed about saying we're being accountants, but you have to live in the real world if you want to get these things done.
0: If you look at Liverpool, they did all the speed work with like Mbappe before he went to PSG. Yeah, you know the you know they did all the meetings. You know, the clock probably met him on the big one in Liverpool yeah. in Blackpool and stuff. So. <laughs> you know they did all that work then. And that's the Mbappe they wanted to sign was the the lad that was going to go on to 150 grand a week yeah. for the first couple of years, go to quarter of a million quid and then probably fuck off. That That's probably definitely what they wanted to do. Um, not, not the Mbappe now. Don't be wrong, I'm not saying I don't want Mbappe when I say these things everyone's saying... We, Somebody we said in the down. comments,
1: Gray, if if Mbappe coming to Liverpool, stare at the camera. So I'll leave that one up to you. Later <laughs> later <laughs> <Yeah. then. laughs>
0: no, but in all honesty, I'd love I'd love the lad, I'd love the player, and it'd be really exciting. But it's just uh, you know it just wouldn't fit unless you sold the whole front three and got him to play up top on his own. That's about it, you know, because yeah. um, that that's the sort of money you're talking and things like that. He's not going to come and go. Oh yeah, I'll go on two hundred fifty grand a weekend. 250 grand bonus if we win um, and then you have a season like last season where you come third and you're on 250 grand as the world's best player so it, it's one of them where by I think that we would have had an Mbappe or a Haaland beforehand and you know there's something else that came on there someone said we won't deal with Raiola well we're right up for Gravenbach we're right up for Malon so something's changed there where we would deal with him for some reason or something would happen um. We we just missed out on on the the Malin one I think, or we we just didn't push hard enough, or we didn't need them or want them enough. So I, I think that's something that would happen. But um, the deal with the devil, I think, mean What was it? Something like forty million out of the the um, the last deal he did and things. I just don't think we're up for that.
1: Yeah. So, just a quick mention here for, for Delwyn, who, who sent it a super chat. Thank you very much for that. Um, he said that what people don't realise is we don't have a proper number nine striker. Only a rigi. We need to strengthen the new striker position in the summer. Not a winger like Saro, Bo, and Vlahovic would be look, worth looking at. Uh, look, someone we should look to get. I think he's he's trying to say so similar to what you were saying before, Gray. And and I I agree. Um, I also though at mm-hmm. the same time I actually like Mo central. Um, I like yeah, yeah. the idea of of most Central I love the way that he, he's, he's able to occupy defenders spin and spin and roll uh, and I just think it gives him a, a different problem to to think about but what I want to finish on lads because we're just over the hour now and look I think everybody knows now when I do these shows I've got Love Island to go and watch so mm-hmm. let's get this uh, let's get this wrapped up right Um I want to I, I want to touch on a couple of things I, I want to finish off by ultimately getting each of your view on what you're most excited about for the season? Because I always think it's important to finish on a positive, um, you know, and, and and I think there's a lot of uh, unnecessary negativity around Liverpool. And I think people are, for, are quick to forget just how good this Liverpool team is. So I want to do a quick roundtable uh, just to get everybody's opinion on what you're most excited about uh, for, for the upcoming season. And I'll come to you first, Keith.
2: I'm excited to... Just see fans back in the stadium, to see Klopp with a smile on his face and to see Liverpool back with the the, the verve and the, the the sort of style that we're used to. And I think all three are connected. You know, I think Klopp, I think the players need to be in a full Anfield. I think Bobby Firmino needs to be in a full Anfield to, to get back into his groove if he can. But I just think it's all connected. Happy Klopp, happy fans, happy club, happy season.
1: Happy us, happy day yeah. <laughs> Josh, what about you, mate?
3: I think two two things for me. First would be seeing Van Dyke back on the pitch because I don't want to get carried away, but he is genuinely the best centre back I've ever seen play. Um, So and it's nice to see him represent my club. So and I think he, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say that he transforms the whole team in terms of the the way we attack, the way we defend, the way we attack set pieces, the way we defend set pieces, just absolutely everything. So seeing him back in red, allowing everyone else around him. To benefit from him being on the pitch, I'm looking forward to seeing. And um, Anfield, you know, seeing Anfield full and um, using the power of Anfield in certain matches when it's tight, when Liverpool needs to find a way through, when the performance isn't maybe there and we need another way of getting over the line, when we're competing in knockout competitions, specifically the Champions League, and we can use Anfield in the first or second leg. Just when you're a part of that, um, you know, I'm from Liverpool and sometimes I've greeted the coach a few times and stuff like that. You do feel unstoppable and I think I don't think it's a coincidence that okay, Liverpool suffered from a centre back crisis and stuff and a few injuries in attack as well. But you know, that Anfield run where we lost something like six in a row or whatever it was, yeah. that would not have happened if there was a full stadium. So those two things when I'm looking forward to going back to normality really.
1: What about you, Gray? Yeah, I,
0: I'll echo the, what the lads say. I'm lucky enough to go to for a season, gonna go to go all the, all the home games in a few away. And because they've said everything else there is to say about Van Dijk and Klopp and that, the thing I'm really looking forward to is um, seeing Thiago. No way you watch him on the telly and you see them passes and it's just a joy to watch. There's things you see at the match you don't see on the telly and that's no dig to anyone not being able to go to the match. I'm very, very lucky that I can but the, it, I could imagine his off-the-ball stuff to be as good as on the ball and there was movement and his speaking and um, and, and his bringing players into the game and how he looks and, and and looks at the rest of the pitch and stuff. So I'm really, I've never seen him in, well, I've, I went to Palace game the last game, but so I've never seen that in a consistent run and um, probably him. I'm looking forward to singing his name and letting him know what Anfield's about like. So, yeah.
1: I have to. Say, I don't think anybody will be surprised to say that mine would be Tiago as well. I have been, mm-hmm. uh, I've been uh, banging the drum for Tiago. I think my missus and kids know at this stage that I probably love him more than I do them. So uh, everybody yeah, knows it. Everybody knows it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the idea of, of seeing him being the conductor of an orchestra. Um, and mm. just everybody, players and fans, singing to his tune is, is something I've been looking forward to since the, the the day I found out we signed him. So, yeah, that that's definitely one for me. Now, uh, just to, to wrap up, a couple of things to, to to call out before we finish. Firstly, massive thank you to Keith, Graham, and Josh. Uh, Josh, before we go, um, I think we've got a few analyzing Anfield fans in the in the chat. Uh, we certainly had some mentions before the show about uh, you know the fact that they're big fans. What have you got coming up for the new season?
3: Uh, same old as it, as it looks at the minute um, yeah if you, you want to see to me regularly and you, you can do every week uh, analysing that field we, we, we went through tactical aspects analytical aspects the numbers new signings transfers our rivals upcoming games virtually everything that 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 is on the Liverpool landscape at that time so uh, yeah it's good to see some fans in tonight and uh, hopefully we'll add a few moving forward yeah, same thing. Moving forward for the rest of the season, just every single week we'll be talking Liverpool.
1: Good man. Uh, quick update from from the day to so Anybody that knows, uh, you know, knows us. Uh, we're, we're passionate about a little girl called Sienna. Um, I said at the start of the show. The the show is uh, brought to you in association with Sienna Steps. Been a bit of a development over over the last weekend that the treatment uh, for, for her has become available in November. And off the back of that, we need to try and raise 60K in a 12 week period to make it work. Um, and, and Gav always mentions it. It's a mother's dream to see her walk through the, the school gates. Um, so if anybody, whether you're a parent, uh, you know, you've got close, uh, you know, close kids in your family, you can imagine the the you know how much of an impact this would have on her family and those close to her. So if you can spare any change at all, we will make sure that we have the donate link, the GoFundMe uh, linked below this video. Before you go, forget about liking the video, forget about dropping comments, all that. The most important thing is that if you've got a, a spare couple of minutes, just click on that link and uh, any any donation would, would make a a big step, big positive Jamie, step Jamie, can towards I jump in goal? here as well? Of course it you can, mate.
2: Because the, the lads are on and, and a lot of people are listening because the two boys have come on to the show, which is brilliant. And the, it's new ears as well for the Sienna Appeal. So, yeah, as Jamie said, Sienna, she's a three-year-old girl, has a diapolegous cerebral palsy, I think is, is what she has. And she's only three and they want to, to get this the uh, treatment it's one hundred and twenty thousand to get to America, but they've got the treatment is now available. So it's what 12 weeks is a Jay? 12 weeks yeah, to get 12. this up. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to just sell one euro a ticket for the the capacity of Anfield. So 53,934 tickets would be 53,934 euros towards CNS fund. So we're trying to just get you know there's a link in the description just go on, buy one ticket for a euro, buy 10 tickets, buy the cop if you want, if you're feeling generous, do you know what I mean? But if you can't buy a ticket, spread it through your social medias, you know, just share it around. It's not about Liverpool, it's not about the LFC day trippers, it's about three-year-old girl that needs help and we're just trying to do our best to help a young girl, as Jamie said, walk through the gates of skill for a first day. So any help... Greatly appreciate But like I said, because the lads are here, there's new no ears listening to the show. So if you can help, have a look at the stuff. We're not looking for you to, to give us a 10 or give us 20. One euro, one ticket. We sell 53,000 of them. Happy days
1: good man keith as always big thank you to everybody in the comments it's been absolutely buzzing uh tonight uh, i think we had nearly 1000 live viewers which is which is fantastic and as we always say you know we do these shows for you so your opinions are absolutely part of the show so thank you everybody for getting involved let us know your thoughts in in, in the comments below uh who do you think we're going to sign uh, any feedback is welcome at all uh, but yeah with that make sure that you will enjoy the rest of your week i hope you've enjoyed the show and and we will be back with you next week on the Midweek Fixed. All the best.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.